right, so the college football playoff is set. And needless to say, there is some drama involved with the decision. We're going to get into that, plus so much more you already know. It is Monday. We are ready to go. Outkick the morning starts right now. Hello, everybody. Happy Monday. Welcome on into it. It's Outkick the Morning. I'm Charlie Arnold. Hope all of you had a spectacular weekend. I did. It was a very lazy weekend for me, although I must say I'm very proud of myself. I made it to work out both days this weekend. Now, I will admit they weren't my best workouts. I was exhausted, so I kind of mailed it in. But hey, I still made it. And that counts for something, right? I hope all of you are also on the same page. Of course, later this week, we'll check in with Dan Dockage to see if he has also done his part to start working out again. Uh, hopefully, we're all on board with this because the holidays are coming. We know what that means. I mean, we already just got past Thanksgiving, so tons of eating there. Uh, it's hard to really slow down once you get into holiday mode, too. So uh, let the eating continue, but let us try to offset the damage we're doing with a few good workouts. And then, of course, uh, just absolute torture will be set upon us during the holiday season. So... Listen, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because we have a lot to talk about today. Over the weekend, the college football playoff came into full view. We now know who the four teams are going to be who are facing off in the college football playoff. We have Michigan, Washington, Texas, and Alabama. Noticeably missing, though, Florida State. Now, this despite winning the ACC championship and going undefeated. For the past nine years, the selection committee has been consistent Undefeated Power 5 conference teams have made the cut. But this year, well, it must be said that it was unprecedented. There were four undefeated teams and four others with one loss. And as a side note, though three of the four teams with one loss had fallen to one of the other teams in that group. So all of this combined led to the committee bucking history. Or so they say, because Florida State Athletic Director Michael Alford, he is now sounding off because FSU was left out because of what he believes is more about Jordan Travis being out of action after the selection committee chair, Boo Corrigan, said that FSU was a, quote, different team than they were through 11 weeks. So Alford had this to say in response, quote, the 2023 Florida State Seminoles are the epitome of a total team to eliminate them from a chance to compete for a national championship is an unwarranted injustice that shows complete disregard and disrespect for their performance and accomplishments. It is unforgivable. So obviously, very strong words coming from Michael Alford. Uh, also, it must be noted, left out of the playoffs and causing even more drama. Georgia, former number one team who up until this weekend, upon losing the SEC championship to Alabama, had won 29 in a row. And... Also, must be said, Alabama lost earlier in the season to Texas, who are ranked number three in the playoff. So, it seems like every year, there are some questionable decisions made by the selection committee. This year, it especially makes it easy to see how much more sense it makes to move to 12 teams instead of just four. Then you don't have to make these tough decisions. Then, more people can be excited, and I think the whole process will also start to make more sense to people. So, I can say that I agree with Alford when he said that whether the team is the most deserving or the best team is a false equivalence, and it is seriously damaging to, leg to the legitimacy of college football. Also, Ron DeSantis, I don't agree with him on everything, 
but I agree with him here. He chimed in on X saying this, quote, what we learned today is that you can go undefeated and win your conference championship game, but the college playoff committee will ignore these results. So congratulations to FSU football on an outstanding season and winning the ACC championship. Okay, so we have opinions all over the place, most of whom, at least that I've expressed so far on the show, do not agree with the decision to leave FSU out of the playoffs. But let's find out from one more person, because I always know she has a strong opinion on everything that we bring her in for. So let's bring in OutKick contributor Amber Harding. Hello and good morning to you, Amber. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, obviously, a lot of uh, opinions are swirling after the decision was made this weekend. Uh, but before we get to your thoughts, uh, there's one guy on the OutKick team who we all know. We know him well uh, because he's the founder of OutKick. And he actually said even before the decision was set into stone, he called out these teams. So according to that, they got it right. Let's listen to this. Most reliable would be Alabama, Georgia, Michigan State, sorry, Michigan and Ohio State. Two SEC teams, two Big Ten teams, if we were just drafting the most talented, the best teams. Michigan, Ohio State, Georgia, and Alabama would be your final four. I think Georgia, frankly, is getting screwed by going all the way from number one. You lose by three points to a very talented Alabama team and you haven't lost in basically three years, you're the two-time defending national champion, and you go from the overall number one seed to knocked completely out of the playoff. I don't think that's fair. But when you balance out most deserving and best, which is ultimately what the committee does, again, they don't just say we're going to take the four best. Because if they did, in some order, it would be Michigan, Ohio State, Georgia, and Alabama. Those are, I believe, the four best teams in college football based on how Vegas would assess them. They're not going to take all of those teams. In fact, they're only going to take two because they're balancing best and most deserving. The best team in college football might lose two games. That happens every now and then. Doesn't mean they wouldn't still be favored in the next game. So, again, I understand Florida State fans feeling like they're getting screwed. I think it's unfortunate that we ended up in this situation for the five justifiable teams in the final year of a four-team playoff. I think that we should just go ahead and say, let's do a 12-team playoff a year early. And this is probably going to be the last year that we have nasty fights because if your team is actually the 13th best, I think it gets harder. All right, so Clay said a lot there. Uh, and the fact that he said it even before the decision was set uh, just uh, shows that he's got the right mindset. He, he seems to have some insight into how the selection committee thinks. Uh, Amber, first and foremost, your thoughts on the four teams that are in. Yeah, uh, FSU got hosed. So I'm with you. I'm with Governor DeSantis on this. And, you know, when I was tweeting about it, <laughs> Yesterday, I got responses from so many people telling me it's so much harder to compete in the SEC than it is in the ACC. And, and y'all, I know 
I know I'm a Tennessee fan. We have to play Georgia, Florida, and mm-hmm. Alabama every year. It sucks and I hate it and it's not fair, but that's the hand we're dealt, right? So Florida State played the hand they were dealt and they won every single game. So maybe their strength of schedule wasn't wasn't as hard as Alabama's. They did lose their starting quarterback, but they took care of the things that were within their control. And it's not really fair to punish them for things that are outside of their control, like which conference they're in and injuries that obviously no one wants to see. Yeah, and I think that brings up the point of how the selection committee weighs the teams that are in most deserving versus best. And the two really, I mean, Clay spelled it out. Um, uh, The athletic director at FSU also was complaining about it. It really just doesn't make sense. They are not the same thing. Uh, What what needs to give here? I mean, I guess it doesn't matter at this point because next year, this is a non-issue, right? You go to 12 teams. uh, You're not going to have to make some of these really difficult decisions. Uh, But just looking at it now and how the decision is made, what do you think about it? most deserving versus best because when I think about it it's very quite obvious yeah it's not the same thing in the least yeah and I I completely get what Clay is saying and and he might be right absolutely um Alabama might have a better shot against Michigan but who are we to decide that who is the selection committee to decide that you Mm -hmm. know Mike Norville said it best he said a small group of people decided they know better than the results of the game and that's really what it is is we're trying to decide the outcome or how the games are going to go in the playoffs before they even happen. And if, it, if all things were even, if, if Florida State had one loss, Alabama had one loss, then I understand it's completely a judgment call. But to leave out the undefeated champion of a Power Five conference, I just don't think that's fair. And obviously next year, 12-team playoff, it's going to be different. But if this were to continue, if this same format were to continue, what does that do for recruiting as well? If I'm if I'm a five star recruit and I have a choice between an SEC school and an ACC school, I don't want to go to the ACC school where even if I'm undefeated, I still can't win a national championship. So I just I think it continues that cycle, too, where teams like Alabama and Georgia and these SEC teams are going to continue to get that preferential treatment. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. I didn't think about it from that perspective. Uh, it does make total sense. Um, and it is a shame uh, to those on those teams who have put in so much effort uh, and their effort paid off, and yet they're still not rewarded for it. Uh, I, I also saw a tweet from Will Kane over the weekend. He's also on the same side that all of us are on, uh, just saying, count me among those who thinks it was wrong to leave out Florida State. Games on the fields have to matter. It can't be based on reputation it can't be a beauty contest. So I think a lot of people feel this way. Uh, all I have to say is thank goodness next year it goes to 12 teams. Uh, so there'll be a lot of different outcome, at least as far as people's emotions are concerned. And uh, I think it's only going to do uh, a lot more good for the sport, like you just mentioned, uh, hopefully helping people in many different ways throughout the process. Uh, something else I want to talk to you about is the nine-year-old Chiefs fan who last week we saw all over the place. Uh, he went to the game wanted to show his allegiance to the Chiefs, painted his face half black, half red, but of course, the first photo we saw of him was only from one side. So there was the instant outrage from Karen J. Phillips. We're still going to call him Karen just because I think it makes the story all that much better, uh, who proclaimed that this kid was in blackface and he was a racist at nine years old. And it was all just absolutely ridiculous. Well, now, uh, here we are a week later, We have the family who has already said it's too late for an apology, but now they're coming out. They're threatening to sue Deadspin, which I said all along, they should sue. This shouldn't even be a question because I found out also, you know, that a lot of people said, oh, well, 
Deadspin is close to being broke, what kind of money are they going to get out of it? Well, the venture capital firm that owns Deadspin is not broke. Uh, so I think this would be the easiest way to get some money uh, to clear their name and just get a little bit of, I guess, vengeance on the fact that this shouldn't have happened in the first place. Uh, but they are threatening to sue. They also just want a complete retraction from Deadspin. Um, in, in the wake of all of this, which... Why not, right? Um, what do you think about all this? What do you think about the fact that they're only threatening to sue right now? I, I just can't imagine they don't want to just take it a step further because I think it's an easy win for them. Absolutely. If I if I were that kid's parents and I said this when it happened, I would have been on the phone with a lawyer day one yeah. because it's just it's it's absolutely insane yeah. to go after a child like that. And if there were a playoff for media race baiters, um, Karen Phillips is the number one seed. No one's going to fight about it. Um, he he gets it. Um, because he doesn't just, this isn't the first time he's done this. You know, every week he's got a new target for somebody that he wants to call a racist who did nothing wrong. You know, he called Ryan Tannehill a racist a couple, a couple of weeks ago, um, for nothing that Ryan actually said, it was just that Karen decided that he was a racist. So he must be, um, but I, it's about time someone holds them accountable for this because these are not accusations you can just throw around lightly. So I'm really glad that the parents are, are stepping up and doing this. And the, it's the lack of editorial oversight at Deadspin that really kills me. Because if I were to go to my editors at Outkick and say, hey, I'm going to write a smear piece on a small child and I'm going to call him lots of terrible names. My editors would be like, no, no, you're not. We're not going to do that. So it's just amazing to me that this actually passed editors and got published and they're doubling down. I mean, they're not apologizing for it. They're uh, in, if anything, they're they're standing behind it. pass over the editor's desk with, you know, permission for this to be published, they probably said, oh my gosh, this is, this is great. More of this, please. I mean, this is probably something that they welcome over at Deadspin. If, if like you mentioned, even after the fact, it was revealed that the kid had the other half of his face painted red. And then he came back and said, oh, well now this, this is even worse. And Deadspin was like, yes, go with it. We support you. Yeah. And his, his follow-up tweet was, so insane because he was just grasping at straws. His follow-up tweet was something about like yeah. being racist against Mexicans. Where did the Mexicans come in? They had nothing to do with any of this. So it was just like, he's just, he, anything that he can hurl at, at you, he's going to do it. And it doesn't even have to make sense, but nobody ever holds him accountable. So, I mean, that's why he continues to do it. Yeah, he said something around the lines of this is like people who hate Hispanics but wear sombreros on Cinco de Mayo. It was something around those lines, uh, which, again, I, I was I was confused when I read that. I was like, I I want to make sense of this just to, like, you know, even understand, like, what stupid perspective you're coming from. But it literally makes no sense. Um, the other thing is uh, Karen is a race and culture reporter. Like, that's specifically his lane that he's responsible for writing for. And you have to wonder... Maybe. I mean, I'm sure Deadspin won't make this move because this is what they go for. They want clickbait. Uh, they don't really put out any legitimate journalism anymore anyways. But could it signal the end of such type, I guess, niche reporting jobs at other places, uh, seeing that it really doesn't hold any any like real meaning uh, and they're just going after, at this point, children? Yeah. And actually, Sage Steele made a really great point about this. Um, she said that there are issues in, you know, in race and culture and things that need to be reported on. There is real racism out there. There, is, there are things that need to be brought to light. But when you call everything racist, 
you really take away from those stories that actually need to be heard. So you really take away from those true experiences of racism when you just paint everyone as a racist, you know, not when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Right. And that's what, that's what Karen is right now. Yeah. And I thought it was funny because when he initially was putting out his first post and then he did the second doubling down, one thing that stuck out to me was his comments are not open on his post. So you can't go in and argue your own point and say, hey, what do you mean by this? Or this is incorrect. Or even if you want to come in and chime in and agree, there's not the opportunity. You can't have that type of discussion, which for me makes no sense because as a reporter, that's what you want. You want to hear every side, every angle of the story. You want that type of healthy discussion as it pertains to the content that you're putting out. But he's not an actual reporter uh, because he doesn't welcome that. It's 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 his words and no one can dispute them. Although people did find a loophole on X because there's the option to repost and at which you can add up, you know, your own commentary at the top. So you don't necessarily just comment on the story. You're, you're reposting the story and then, and then adding on to it. Uh, I think there was some insane amount of reposts on this story, like a record-setting number, uh, because that was the only way for people to be able to chime in. So the fact that he had his comments closed shows me one thing. And then just on the um, same token as Sage Steele you just brought up, I mean, Deadspin is just so stupid that at one point they named Sage Steele, I think, one of the top 10. I don't remember what the exact uh, verbiage was, but like top 10 idiots of the year. And they said... She's trying to be the black Candace Owens, which you're like, are you stupid? <laughs> Candace Owens is black. They, they are stupid. Yes, that's a, but that's how it always goes. It's when people who want to stand up there and pontificate, but they don't actually want to have a discussion. Karen doesn't want to have a nuanced discussion about anything. He just wants to tell you what's right and what's wrong because he has deemed himself the moral arbiter of the world. So that's what it is. But I love the fact that nobody let him get away with it this time, because even when Deadspin tried to publish subsequent stories on X about other things or about sports, um, all of the comments that I saw on those were like, hey, are you going to address the fact that you uh, attacked a small child for no reason? So I love the fact that the people were just relentless on this story because it is about time. Uh, absolutely. Uh, now I want to get to a story that you recently published on Outkick.com. There was a trans runner biological man who entered into the women's division took first place in the upstate classic half marathon near albany new york and you wrote in your story based on the comments of this biological man after they had won taking away the success of all of the females competing uh you wrote quote the only thing worse than a male stealing accolades from female athletes is one who mocks them afterward so talk to me about what happened and, and, and how your story went. Yeah, so he won, this this trans runner won first place at, a, at the Upstate Classic in the half marathon, and he beat the fastest female by six minutes. That's, that's a really, that's a significant gap. He beat her by six minutes. And then afterward, he said he was embarrassingly slow, very out of shape. He gave up after mile five because his tendon was acting up. So not only is this a slap in the face to the runner, the runners whose place he took at the top of the podium, but he also downplayed his performance by saying he was embarrassingly slow. So if you're saying you're embarrassingly slow and you won, what does that say? What are you trying to say about all of the females who finished more than six minutes behind you? It's just, it's incredibly insulting. Okay, now 
I'm just playing devil's advocate for the sake of, of getting your response here. Do you think that he's just oblivious or this biological or trans woman, or, excuse me, sorry, sometimes the words trip you up because I'm trying to be politically correct, unfortunately, in uh, talking about this story. Uh, this trans runner mentioned that they were incredibly slow, this was not even a good race of theirs. Do you think that they are just oblivious or do they know exactly what they're doing? And this is just, like you mentioned, even more of a slap in the face to real women. Yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't pretend to get inside their heads. I don't know what they're thinking, what their motivations are. But if you remember a couple of months ago, there was a male power lifter in Canada who made yes. a social media video where basically he was saying, I don't understand why women are so bad at bench press. Of course, yeah. he has he has the women's <laughs> national record for bench press. It's like, I don't know, maybe it's the testosterone. So um, I, I don't know if it's just being oblivious to it or if it's just kind of rubbing it in their face. But regardless, they're being bullies. And I'm not saying all trans athletes are, but I'm saying we're seeing way more instances of these athletes coming out and basically bullying the females that they're competing against. But if you call it out, then it immediately, they immediately pull the victim card. You're a bigot and you're a bully um, because it's like they're untouchable and you're not allowed to point out, hey, this isn't really fair. And you're kind of being a jerk about it. What type of outrage are you noticing from this particular incident? Uh, because this is just one more. I mean, six full minutes in a race is, uh, I mean, that's a ton of time. Uh, the next best runner, there's no chance of them ever accomplishing that, probably that time. So a record now has been set, most likely. Uh, so now even in the future, it's not likely that a woman will find success if they're looking to break any records. Are people talking about this? Uh, because I just feel like when you have the more egregious of instances, like you mentioned with the power lift or this one, more people should be talking about it. But I don't see my timeline, timeline being overtaken by people saying things about this. Are people even recognizing that this type of stuff is happening? You know, I don't, I'm... I know that Riley posted about it and Riley got a uh, Riley Gaines and she got a ton of comments on it. Um, in fact, this runner actually responded to her. Of course, it responded exactly oh. how you would think. Yeah. The runner called her a bigot and uh, said that, you know, I am a woman. Like, so I did see that. But I, I think that this is, you know, not a lot of people know about a half a half marathon in New York State. So it's uh, it it does take media and it does take people like Riley to bring that to the forefront. But it just goes to show you that we keep seeing this. You know, we hear people say like, oh, this isn't really happening or it's very rare. But yes. Charlie, every single week, I feel like you and I are talking about something like this. So it does continue to happen. And I know at the elite levels, um, World Athletics, which is the governing body for track and field, does not allow um transgender runners to run in the in the women's category um, and they've had to do it because of instances like this but then you think about if you allow it at the at the the lower levels at the more local levels it makes it even harder for women to reach that point and we've seen so many times where a mediocre male athlete something like the leah thomas thing you know wasn't even ranked, but then comes over to the female side and starts winning everything. But that wasn't even the case with this runner. This runner finished fourth overall. So finished first in the div women's division, but fourth overall. So he would have come in fourth in the male division. So, I mean, that makes it even harder for females to, to overcome that gap. 
Yeah, and you're right. It probably just deters them at the lower levels. Uh, you lose a little bit of hope. And maybe you don't even want to continue on to those more elite levels because, I mean, it sounds like a pretty horrible situation to find yourself in. Uh, it's You're being set up to fail. So for a lot of these girls who have big dreams, uh, maybe they just don't continue on with them because of what's happening here. Uh, okay, Amber, let's switch back over to football, this time to the NFL, though. Uh, your Dolphins, shout out. Now number one in the AFC after the Chiefs lost last night. Uh, how are you feeling this morning? I'm feeling victorious, Charlie. I uh, I actually didn't watch the whole game last night. I went to I went to bed early. Like I'm trying to get a good start on this week, so I went to bed early. But when I woke up and yep. checked the score, I was like, oh, feels good to be a winner. Um, so I'm excited. I'm super excited. Um, Tyreek <laughs> is only about 500 yards away from 2,000, so I think he's going to hit it. Um, it just, it it just feels good. Like I'm, I've said it over and over again, but I'm just so tired of the same teams winning all the time. And I would say that in any sport, um, you know, kind of like college football, like I'm actually, you can say what you want about it being unfair for Georgia. And I think it maybe is a little bit, but at the same time, they've won the last two. It's someone else's turn. So, um, I'm, I love to see the chiefs lose. No, no offense to you chiefs fans out there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. I, I'm on the same page with you about seeing new teams get to the top. Uh, another team that I would point at is the Texans, right? They have just really started surprising people. I mean, C.J. Stroud is so outstanding. Uh, it is fun to see new teams making a splash, uh, whereas, you know, in the past few years, you, you, I mean, the Texans especially, like, who's been talking about the Texans? Uh, nobody. So it is cool uh, to see a little bit of change up in the NFL landscape there. Uh, Amber, is there anything else that you've got going on this week? Anything you've got your eye on that we can expect from you on Outkick.com? Uh, well, we started a new column on Fridays, so um, check it out. It'll be up about noon on Fridays. Um, it's called Woman'splaining. So we hear a lot about mansplaining, so I'm here oh, to do your yeah. woman'splaining. So it's going to be a weekly column about relationships, marriage, dating, all kinds of fun stuff like that. Um, so just be on the lookout for it. Okay, is there any any little nugget of detail you can give us as to what this week's inaugural column is going to be about? What are we touching on? So this week, we're actually going to talk about Christmas. I, I solicited some emails from, from readers asking me, like, what do you want to know about? What do you want me to answer questions about? It's like Dear Abby, but a little more fun. Um, you know, what do we want to talk about? And um, <laughs> a lot of guys were asking me, what do I get my wife or my girlfriend or somebody I started dating for Christmas? So we're going to dive into Christmas gifts, what's appropriate, what's not, um, what women expect, what they don't. Um, so it should be a lot of fun. Ooh, I like this. This is actually a great subject, and I hope that... Any men who are close to me uh, will will uh, tune into your column because uh, this is something I would I would love to get on their radar. There's always the faux pas of gift giving, and you know, just for example, my father, he loves to be creative because it just like makes him feel special. Like, oh, I'm gonna go pick out what I like for you, and I'm like, I love that you do this because it's cute, but oftentimes I don't like what you get me. So then I don't end up either wearing it or I just take it back and it kind of defeats the whole purpose of your creativity, right? Like, just ask me what I want and let, let's just make it easy. And then, then you know what's something I'm going to wear or put to good use. Um, yeah, that, that's kind of how it goes now in my adult life. I just, I, I don't even, I mean, I don't get that many gifts anymore, but I just tell people what I want. Let's take the guessing and surprises out of this. And, and I, I actually re- appreciate the same in return. Just tell me what you want. 
I don't want to have to guess. I don't want to have to go out on a limb, buy something that ultimately you're like, eh, this wasn't for me. And then here we are left in a limbo. It is, it is a, it's a, it's a tricky subject because you do like things that are meaningful too. You know, every once in a while you can get this meaningful gift and, and you really like that. But at the same time, you don't want to get a bunch of stuff that you don't need. You know, my grandmother was, was famous for getting you a bunch of stuff, like bless her heart. She's the sweetest person, but she would get you a bunch of stuff and be like, I can't use any of this. So, um, so yeah, yeah. so there's a, there's a, there's a lot to it, but then you also have people who, you know, just, if they want something, they buy it. And those are the hardest people to buy for because, uh, they uh, they don't really leave anything left on their list. Yeah, exactly. Just uh, real quick, I was down in makeup before the show, and one of the hairstylists down there, it was actually a really cool gift. Her mother is really into birds. Like, she always has a bird feeder outside, and, you know, it's one of those things she enjoys going, going to put the bird, feed, uh, bird food in there and then seeing who comes around. There is a bird feeder that has a camera in it. So when a bird comes onto your bird feeder... You can see on your phone the bird, like, up close. So you get a little up-close look at all your little visitors, which I thought was so cool. Like, that's a really thoughtful and creative gift. Uh, I think it costs somewhere between, like, 150 and 200 so it's not cheap. But if you have someone out there that likes that kind of stuff, that's the type of gift that I think is very interesting and creative for those type of people. So I actually really appreciated that one. Yeah, that's a great idea. I love that. Uh, okay, Amber, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for offering your insight on, well, I mean, we covered everything. College football, really pro football, <laughs> uh, blackface, Christmas gifts, uh, trans athletes. I mean, we really ran the gamut today. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Anytime. Outkick the morning. We'll be right back after a short break. Stay tuned. All right, everybody. Amber Harding for you. And now we get to our final story. And as we near winter, I mean, we, I feel like we're already there because we have barely any sunlight that consumes our day. I mean, it's just, I wake up and it's dark and I get home and it's dark. I know everyone feels the same. Why are we still doing daylight savings time? Anyways, that's not the point right here. Uh, winter is coming closer. The cold and flu season is upon us. As I mentioned, you can probably still tell a little bit of a cold right now. Not totally sounding like myself, but we're going to get through it. Uh, also, you've probably also seen there's the pneumonia-esque condition that's ripping its way through China and said to, unfortunately, have several cases in the U.S. right now. We're not going to let the fear get to us, not this time around. Uh, but there's also the fear of COVID that is still, still sadly lodged into some people's brains. Not mine. I would like to, to make that very clear. Not mine. Uh, but the idea of masking up is once again a topic of discussion. Again, not by me or from anyone in my circles, but we do know that there are some lunatics out there that want to make mandatory masking a thing again. Unbelievable. Uh, and here's the thing. I didn't want to believe it, but this weekend, as I was on the way to yoga, go me, uh, I walked by a place called Sugaring NYC. This was a place I had noticed before. Uh, they offer different beauty services, and there was a sign on the door that said patrons must wear masks. So I thought to myself, oh, maybe that's left over from last winter when things were still recovering a little bit, right? Uh, but then I looked inside the glass window and nope, every single person sitting inside the waiting room was wearing a mask. The receptionist was also wearing a mask. And I thought, oh my God, please do not tell me 
that masks are making a comeback. Because to be honest, I actually considered going to this place to get one of their beauty services. And now I will tell you that is completely off the table. I will not be going and getting any type of service here solely because of the mask policy and the mask policy alone. Uh, but it's not just me I'm worried about at this point in time, because I already saw how quick these patrons of this beauty store were to put on a mask. Uh, I can make my own decisions, but what about even taking it a step further? What about the parents whose schools are now insisting that their children start to mask up again? Because parents, this time around, I please, I urge you, you've got to stay strong. We cannot fall into this again. Do not comply, because listen to this. Monica Gandhi, she's a doctor who wrote a book on the post-pandemic world. She posted a study along with this caption on X to sum it all up. She said, quote, child mask mandates for COVID-19, a systematic review. Current body of scientific data does not support masking children for protection against COVID. Hopefully, MDs and public health officials will always be willing to change minds with evidence and data. And... This was such a strong sentiment, it caught the eye of Elon Musk, who instantly replied, facts can be so inconvenient, to which we obviously know what he meant by that. And to which I say, yes, they can, Elon, because 16 studies conducted by Archives of Diseases in Childhood found that, quote, no effect of mask wearing on infection or transmission, while six studies reported a protective association had a critical or serious risk of bias. Okay, so now that we have from evidence that prove masks don't prevent children or healthy adults, I'm assuming, from getting COVID. What exactly is the point of going down this road of insanity again, besides for bringing pure joy to liberals who want to ruin the lives of well-adjusted children and their families? Because also let me remind you that one leftist elite who cashed out big during COVID, you might know his name, Dr. Anthony Fauci, he admitted back in September to the New York Times that the efficacy of masks is minimal. He said this, quote, from a broad public health standpoint, at the population level, masks work at the margins, maybe 10%. Do you hear all that? Do you hear that? 10%, maybe. That's at best. So all this being said to me, there is really no point in enforcing masks anymore. I know I'm far from the only one who has mask fatigue. We have all already suffered far more than enough. And don't forget, before COVID, the cold and flu season did exist. And guess what? We were all fine. We weren't wearing masks and everyone was fine. We survived. We thrived. It was all good. So unless you have a valid reason to wear a mask, and really the only valid reasons I see, there's, there's probably three. One, if you do have an extreme health condition, fine. If there's something extreme and you're not just a hypochondriac, fine. Wear a mask, if you will, or if you have a very old family member, fine. I don't want to discourage everyone from wearing masks if it's absolutely medically necessary in those cases. But the only other two reasons that I can see for normal people to wear masks, if you're A, unattractive, and you want to hide half of your face, which probably will end up making you more attractive, uh, or you're hiding your identity because you're attending a anti-Semitic rally. Okay, that's another reason that would make sense. Uh, otherwise, please just say no. And if your immune system, uh, if you want to keep your immune system boosted, uh, I have a couple ways that will be more helpful than wearing masks. Uh, you can eat healthy, you can exercise regularly, and you can pop some vitamins. And that is going to do you a whole hell of a lot better than any mask ever will.
Okay, everyone, that is my sermon for the day. Please remember that uh, because we do not want to fall into the craziness that we were going through three years ago, two years ago, even a little bit last year. Certainly not this year. I'm, I'm done with it. Uh, I'll tell you that. You will never, ever catch me wearing a mask ever again. And if there is a place that I want to go that requires masks, guess what? I'm going to find a different place. Uh, okay, everyone, that's all we've got. Thank you so much for being here. You know the drill. Subscribe, sign up for those alerts, like, comment, follow me on social media. And then guess what? Tomorrow morning, we are here all over again, same time, same place. So everyone, go have yourself a great Monday. Don't forget to hit the gym, pop those vitamins, eat healthy, and I'll see you tomorrow.